Welcome in, everybody, to Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of Niners Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me, as always, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire, also with USA Today SMG. Doug, a wild week six. No more undefeated teams. No more undefeated teams. Man. Which means 72 Dolphins do their thing. And Okay. I, I honestly respect the the haterdom. I, I used to think mind. it was corny, but now I'm now I'm in on it. After this long, you know, okay, you did that. No one else has done it. Cool. Good for you. R- ride it out. All right. Well, there's no more undefeated teams. So now we have to sort through some stuff to figure out who the best team is. We so have to Eagles, recalibrate, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. Let's let's try and do that now. So the Niners and Eagles, both undefeated going into Sunday. They lost the 49ers to the Browns and the Eagles to the New York Jets. The Bills nearly lost to the Giants and I think probably should have lost to the Giants. The Chiefs playing great defense, but their passing game is a mess. The Dolphins can't be stopped on offense, but their defense is a mess. Not so great. is is there an NFL team right now that stands apart for you? I don't think so. I mean, I, I still think that you know, we're, if we're talking about like the best team in football right now, after everything that happened, I still think it's the 49ers, but that's almost, and I, I, we're doing this Monday afternoon. I know uh, McCaffrey is getting an MRI on his rib and oblique, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, when we talk about Brock Purdy and, you know, Debo and Kittle, that offense, you know, this, it runs through McCaffrey. He's yep. the guy, he's the epicenter of the whole thing. So if they lose him for any amount of time, I don't know. And before we get into, I know you're going to talk about this, Brock Purdy stinks. He should have elevated whatever. The Cleveland Browns are one of the best defenses of the last 50 years. I mean, yeah. that good. They really are. I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'm working on a tape piece right now, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible because I love good defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like watching good defense more than I like watching good offense, so this is fun. Yeah. Um. So I still think it's the 49ers, but I'm going to tell you, Kyle, if I told you that the Detroit Lions were the most frightening team in the NFL right now, how much disagreement would there be? They are right behind the Niners at second in overall DVOA after their 20 to six win over the Buccaneers, who were, mm-hmm. you know, pretty, you know, they were Buccaneers were really spicy and then they just got trampled. Outside of the egg they laid in week two against the Seahawks, their only loss was by six points to Seattle in week two. And they're also a good team. Dan Campbell's squad just keeps knocking out of the park. They have one of the best uh, passing games in the NFL, certainly one of the NFL's best and most multiple run games. I would put it up there with Miami and San Francisco, mm-hmm. and absolutely one of the NFL's best and most underrated defenses. Mm-hmm. So I think if we're talking about a team that can put you in knots on all sides of the ball, all three sides – Maybe right now the line, I don't know if they're the best, but they might be the scariest. And so, because last year they were everyone's tough out, mm-hmm. this year they're all the way up there. Yeah, the Lions are following the trajectory. I think the Kyle Shanahan 49ers wanted to follow. Jimmy Garoppolo yep. just got hurt in 2018 yep. and they never got the tough out season. They just jumped straight to the really good <laughs> season in 2019. But yeah, man, the Lions, I don't know if they're the best team top to bottom because I think when you look at the Chiefs, you look at the 49ers, you look at the Eagles, there's that history. You know, we know that these teams can make deep playoff runs. Whereas the Lions, we're not, we're not sure yet. But if you're just looking for the last six weeks, I have a hard time saying it's anybody other than the Lions. Yeah. I that for for all the reasons you just listed. Now, again, if I'm if I'm trying to project out and look at the NFC and, and who's gonna win the NFC. I think I probably still lean Philadelphia. They were my Super Bowl pick before the year. Sure. Uh, I know their passing game is kind of a disaster right now, but I I trust Nick Sirianni to to figure that out by the time the season ends. And then with Philly, they are so good in the trenches. 
And yeah. when you look at what the Browns did to the 49ers yesterday, and frankly, what Philly did to them in the NFC title game in the trenches, it it, it looks to me like that's going to be kind of the 49ers fatal flaw come, come playoff time. Yeah. Whether they match up with, maybe it's Detroit or maybe it's Philly. I, I just, I can't put the 49ers there right now. And maybe it's just super recency bias because of, because of how the Browns made them look on Sunday. But it, it's, it's, I think among those, among those three teams in the NFC. Well, here's the thing about, they are not going to face another defense like that because there is not another defense like that. Yeah, These no guys, doubt. I mean, everything, <sighs> the Browns were terrible against motion runs before that game and they buttoned everything up. Niners had the most motion runs in the NFL and the Browns stopped them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're supposed to play quarters. The Browns played almost totally cover one and cover three. You did not see yeah. a two deep safety look that wasn't a, you know, a, a post snap adjustment. Yeah. They just did what they do and they waxed the best team in the NFL. It's yeah. like, okay, we could, we could talk about this for another half hour, but let's, yes, let's move on to second down. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the 49ers and Eagles, formerly undefeated, uh, we have the surviving members of the 1972 Dolphins popping champagne as they always do because there are no unbeaten teams left in the NFL for the 2023 season. So, um, Doug, do you think it's possible that or it, will it will it be impossible? I guess is a better way to phrase this at this point for any team to go from week one through the Super Bowl without losing a game. Kyle, it's not going to happen. 17-game regular season, the best you can hope for is a 20-game season with a divisional round game, conference championship, and the Super Bowl. Pro football is now more a game of attrition than ever before, and even if the head coach of an undefeated team down the stretch kept all the stars in to preserve that mark, what happens if any one of those stars goes down? Now you're in a mess. Mm -hmm. I always thought that the 2007 Patriots, and a lot of people don't even remember this guy, but they would have closed it out had linebacker Roosevelt Colvin not gotten injured in week 13 against the Ravens. That was a completely different mm. defense with Colvin on the field. And again, while most people probably don't even remember that he was on that team or what his value was, it was more than evident at the time. So one glue guy goes out and all of a sudden you're treading water when you were blowing teams away. That's all it takes. And I think at this point with this many games and this much attrition, and we've seen it all year already. You know, one guy goes down, and it's like this constant ebb and flow of injury. I think the odds are, I don't know what the odds are, but I would imagine it's uh, its pretty thin up there. Yeah, and it feels like now, and, and you you can disagree here, and, and I, I'd, I'd buy it. But I disagree already. I don't even know what you're saying. Great. I love that for you. No, so so I love doing this exercise because whenever you you put your answer in, I always try and do some critical thinking to see if I can I can find some pushback. That's and the I only think. the only way I could find pushback was through like miracles. Like maybe a team has every good player on the opposition is out for the week that they play them. Uh -huh. Or maybe a team falls backwards into Patrick Mahomes with a roster like the one the 49ers have. Or right. something, but even then, the gap now between the good teams and the bad teams is so much smaller, I feel like, than it used to be. I feel like 10 years ago, we used to go into a season and go, okay, that team and that team and that team are going to win a combined nine games. Mm -hmm. And now you have the Cardinals being competitive. You have the Rams, who were not supposed to be very good. They're super competitive. You have D'Amico Ryans and what he's doing down in Houston. It just yeah. feels like, and, and even the Broncos, like the Broncos aren't good, but it feels like any week they can go in and and win a game. The Bears are starting to figure it out. I the I think teams are getting smarter. I think coaching is getting better. And I think the gap between the best teams and the worst teams is just closing way too much 
for yeah. a team to just dominate and go 20 consecutive games without without losing. That's yeah, just, you're gonna, that's you're gonna need, yeah, you're gonna need a couple of miracles. Uh, even the Giants, whose offense should be locked in a shed and set on fire, they were surprisingly competitive with Tyrod Taylor, quarterback. How's that Daniel Jones contract looking now? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just, I, I think the push toward the middle, the big ball in the middle, is what mm-hmm. the NFL wants with parity, and I think that's what they're getting, and I think yeah. that's you know that's the way it's gonna stay. All right. Let's uh, move on to third down. Who's your secret superstar? This is one of my favorite articles you do on Touchdown Wire. Each week you do your secret superstars. Uh, who is your secret superstar through week six that's the NFL's most underrated player who's worthy of more attention than they're getting? Kyle, that would be a New York Jets edge rusher Bryce Huff. One thing you look for in great teams, great units, and the Jets defense is absolutely great, is the number of unheralded players who pop up out of nowhere and just start dominating. Mm-hmm. Few players in the NFL have done that at Huff's level this season. This is an undrafted free agent out of Memphis who had a few nice moments in his first three NFL seasons, but who expected this? Huff has been an absolute edge monster in Robert yep. Sella's defense. Three sacks, 34 total pressures in just 114 pass rushing snaps. The only edge rushers with more pressures this season are Max Crosby with 38 in 221 pass rush snaps and Aiden Hutchinson with 36 in 248 eight pass rushing snaps. So if we're talking about pass rush win rate, Bryce Huff is the best edge rusher in the NFL right now. Great speed, serious anger to quote Jules Winfield in Pulp Fiction. I'm going to start calling him St. Anger, except that he's a lot better than St. Anger was. Uh, and all the technique you could want. He's a major reason the Jets are able to sub in as many as seven defensive, seven different pass rushers along their fronts. Remember, this was the Eagles' recipe for defensive success last season, and that's a credit to both Huff and a set of schemes with the coaches that optimize every skill set to its highest potential. Uh, he's just he's one of my first watches when I wake up Monday morning and the tape is in, and I'm like, I want to see what Bryce Huff did. Uh, a couple <laughs> of sacks. And, you know, when Lane Johnson got hurt and the replacement right tackle, you know, Huff beat. But he also beat Jordan Mailata for a sack, their left tackle. So mm-hmm. this isn't like he's beating up on subs. The guy's just really, you know, the light went on, and, and he's amazing. Yeah, I every every week when I go and I, I look and I sort through the the defensive metrics and I look and Bryce Huff's just up there, just hanging yep. out. It's Max yep. Crosby and it's Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett and TJ Watt and and there's Bryce Huff Him. just hanging out, kind of doing his thing. Shout out yeah. to Robert Sala. Robert Sala is a really good coach, man. Yep. He does he, he does a heck of a job. Um I, I have I have a couple. So Ryan Kelly, the center for the Colts, mm-hmm. is just quietly having an excellent year. He's a pretty average player through the first part of his career. Uh, but so far this season, he's yet to give up a sack, and he's given up one pressure in four games. He he missed a couple of games for the Colts. But with Shane Steichen, we talked last week about, about Jason Kelsey and the tush push, right? And how yep. much having Jason Kelsey in a dominant center is so vital to a good offensive line. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco has really harped on. He's always tried to find a quality yep. center in the middle of an offensive line. And Ryan Kelly has just been that for Shane Steichen in this offense. I know Anthony Richardson is is out right now, and so that changes their offense a little bit. But like I said, Kelly is, is whether it's run blocking, pass blocking, uh, just having a really, really great year for the Colts. And then, well, I, then it's even more important because Minshew is more likely to stay in the pocket than Richardson is. So having yeah. that, you know, the because he has to step up in the pocket. And if your center can't block, that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, Kelly's doing it as as well as any offensive lineman in the league right now. And then I don't I don't want this is not a secret superstar really, but I just feel like Stephon Diggs' year is not getting talked about enough. 
Mm. In six games, he has five 100-yard games. He has five touchdowns. He has 620 yards and 49 catches. He's just been really he's good. Doing it, he's doing it in a really scattershot offense. That, yeah. that Bills offense does not look good right now. I just feel like for me personally, I always think of Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson. It's like, no, Stephon Diggs is, is still really excellent. So not not a secret superstar, but I just wanted to shout him out because I, I feel like I haven't talked yeah. about him enough. I don't, I mean, I, I know I think of him as a top 10 receiver. I don't know what like the public perception is. I, you yeah. know, I know he definitely is what I call my ex ISO guys that, you know, yeah. you put your best corner on him and it's one-on-one mano a mano and he can beat you over and over. There are yeah. maybe, maybe eight to 10 guys in the NFL at any given point who can do that. And he's one of them. He has a skill set to me. That's a lot like Devonte Adams is just, you know, quick angular, mm-hmm. uh, very strong in contested situations, great in the red zone. And, um, you know, once he gets going, especially in the slot, man, <laughs> bring a lunch. It's going to be a long day. So I, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think, you know, I, I don't, I mean, we all have our perception of like what a player is and what his value is. I think, I think Diggs is right up there. And I think yeah. we would we t- be talking a lot more about him if Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen could get on the same page. Right. That's just Josh Allen is not a pocket passer. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, going to show up on a four down territory pretty soon. I can already feel it. I was going to say, I'll move on to fourth down before, before we have to make it a fifth down. All yep. right. Uh, what, <laughs> speaking speaking of, of things that suck. <laughs> speaking of giving away extra downs, uh, D- Doug, what was your worst of the week for week six? Uh, John Hussey. <laughs> Boy. Leading the charge in a truly horrible week for officiating in the Browns 19 to 17 surprise win over the 49ers. As he was so far past his skis. I those like the, 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 I think it was 2002, the Ravens Seahawks game where Tom white was like 150 years old and got fired. Cause it was so bad. Super bowl 40. Everyone talks about this was one of the worst officiated games I've it's ever seen. And I've been watching all since Moses wore short pants. So, <laughs> Let's start with the fact that you called a face mask penalty on Zadarius Smith when it was Christian McCaffrey grabbing Smith's face mask. He had a couple of those. There was another one, uh, I think it was a punt return. Uh, it took about three minutes for everyone to sort it out. On the other one, he walked it off the wrong way, <laughs> changed it, and then had to go back on the mic and apologize for the confusion. Oh wait, I've never seen one. that. I know, there's more. Wait, there was a spot he got wrong that the Browns had to challenge. There was the intentional grounding call on Browns quarterback P.J. Walker. It was actually a fumble. And I think at first they said no intentional grounding. They said intentional grounding. It's like, no, guys, it wasn't either one. It was a fumble. He didn't throw it. He fumbled. But wait, there's more. There's still more. The killer was the unnecessary roughness call on safety to Sean Gibson. I could hear you, like, screaming in my head when this happened. Uh-huh. 2.45 left in the game. That came out of Browns 3rd and 10 from the Cleveland 26-yard line. And the penalty, which really wasn't, put the ball in the Cleveland 41 with a fresh set of downs. Maybe the Browns kicked the game-winning field goal regardless. Maybe Ford Nags kicker Jake Moody should to make his own field goals. Sure. But, man, I don't know. This was over and over and over and over. Just horrible. And I'm sure – here's the interesting thing. As far as I know, and usually when there's a controversial call, mm-hmm. you know this. Uh, the official – one report will be does need to talk to the official or the NFL, the, the head of officiating, mm-hmm. and they'll do a pool report. There was no pool report in this game. Interesting, I, right? As far as I know, there was no report. I mean, Oh, no, there, there, there wasn't. Um, and from what I understand, home team media is in charge of uh, issuing right. that. And, it is. Um, they decided are. So, not to. Yeah. 
Um, mm. Maybe they maybe it would take two hours for Hussey to explain everything. <laughs> just get home. So, um, so, so I'm sure Hussey will be downgraded for this game. And based on what I've seen, I mean, once Mike Carey got a Super Bowl, I was done. Like, okay. I'm pretty sure that Hussey will wind up in the playoffs regardless. So, you know, there it is. Yeah. So, two, Just, two, I mean, two, honestly, one of the two or three worst to fit. And it, it wasn't like they were out to get, you know, the crew was out to get this team or that team. It no. was equally incompetent. Like, a disaster on what both. Are you, and I've seen Hussey in over his head a few times. Um, it, it, it's not like Jeff Triplett level where you're just like, what is this guy doing in the NFL? But, uh, and I've said before on this show, the NFL doesn't care. You know, this, the NFL has its gambling partners. It's making money hand over fist. This actually increases engagement. So they're fine with it. They don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Look at all the, look at all the mentions on Twitter. Yeah. I, I, so like you said, this is not, this is not a, the 49ers lost because of this or the Browns lost. This was just a horribly officiated game. 25 penalties for 224 penalty yards were distributed between the two teams. 12 for 105 for the Niners, 13 for 119 for the for the Browns. Yep. Some of the qu- penalties questionable at best. The the Tayshawn Gibson one, honestly, that's just one that the NFL just ignored player safety for so long that refs just err on the side of caution now. Yep. And when there's a big collision in the middle of the field, it's a flag. 10 out of 10 times. Was yep. it a legal hit? Yes, but I've seen that called before. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, the, in the rule the, book, you're told, the, the officials are told if there's any, like, if there's any element of it, you call it. Right, right. And that's roughness if, I'm sure if they could have reviewed it, they would have changed it and fine. So okay. The fumble before the half though, mm. the the quote unquote forward pass. Okay, I'm gonna even move past whether it was moving in his hand before his hand was coming forward, but before if the ball was moving in PJ Walker's hand mm. before the his hand was coming forward. I'm not even gonna argue that. The ball went backwards. He mm. threw it backwards. Yep. It's a fumble. Yep. It didn't go forwards. They were so focused on whether or not the hand was coming forward that they forgot the rule of the forward pass in an NFL game in 2023. Unbelievable. It was just, uh, and then, my and then, favorite was the, they complete. And I think it was the wrong number too. Um, the wrong, yes. team, the wrong number. They did that multiple up. times. Like I would love, please mic these guys up so I can hear that conversation. Um, it, it was um, so many, so many, not even just the bad um, calls, but it was all those things team here, guys. What do we do? Just the procedure, right? Just procedural things. Like they would get the call, right? But it would take them nine minutes to walk off 10 yards. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it was, it was a really tough watch. It was just a slow, grimy rock fight of a game to begin with. And, and the refs uh, fell into that. All right. So I'm going to stick with the 49ers game here and I'm going to be the worst of the week. Because I wrote all over NinersWire.com that Brock Purdy is in the MVP conversation. Oh, you were deserved that to be. Okay. He deserved to be in the MVP conversation. Because look at these numbers and look at the team he's on and look at the position he plays. And what we know of the award says that he is going to be among the top vote getters, if not the winner. Da da da. Um I know he's not out of it. He's still top five in the Vegas MVP odds, but he's out of it. Brock, he's it's done. I thought he was going to be a player that was going to, uh, in in a situation like Sunday's game where there was adversity, where he would hit the big throws down the field, where the interception he threw, Brandon Ayuk was open, and he missed him. And I, I, was he, I I'm convinced that wasn't his read. We, you and I discussed this. I think it was Jennings yeah. over the middle, and then he got cute because his first read was taken. 
Yeah, and and if that's what it was, fine. But he found the next open guy and and threw it way behind him. He missed yeah. several open receivers. It was not performance a performance befitting of a player who can be the most valuable player in a national football league that contains Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Tua Tonga Vailoa. Uh, and uh, so that was that was poor by me. I'm sorry to you, Doug. I'm sorry <laughs> to Four Down Territory viewers. I'm sorry to Niners Wire readers. I made a mistake. I am the worst of Week Six. You should apologize to Touchdown Wire too, because that's where the Touchdown was. Wire. I am also sorry to okay. TD Wire. <laughs> Anyone else? I Anybody think, else? Well, I'm sorry to Sam Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry to Kirk Cousins, who's probably more deserving of the MVP award at this point. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> well, a couple things. And sorry to my guy Ryan Kelly, who's tearing it up for the Colts. Couple of things. First yeah. of all, you remember in the Giants and Rams games, he was spraying the ball all over the place. He is he is inconsistent. Yeah. He's a young player. He's he's been a starter less than a year. I think he started week thirteen. That's when he started yeah. to be the starter last year. Um, yeah. He is streaky. I mean, streaky good, streaky bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he hadn't run into an absolute chainsaw of a defense, mm-hmm. the discussion wouldn't be much different. Um, I've been watching the tape pretty much all afternoon here on Monday afternoon. And I can tell you, I, I, I don't know of a quarterback right now who could figure this thing out. So let's hit the pause button on the empirical Brock Purdy is this. I mean, Greg Costello and I has had a very long discussion about this. Uh, why does he have to be either a useless widget system cog or yeah. Joe Montana? Why can't it be, you know, areas of gray, 50 shades of gray. He's a really good, he's probably the best Kyle Shanahan style quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has had since, I, agree. I don't know, Robert Griffin, the third or, you know, Kirk cousins, Mark one. Um, but to say, you know, it was going too far both ways, and now it's going too far this way up the middle. Yeah. But again, you have to watch this Browns defense to understand how truly, rarely transcendent it is. It and is I, again, I don't know of any quarterback I'd want to put in that wood chipper right now. Yeah, no, Just it saying. was. Uh, they were they were very very good. And yeah, no, not, this is again, like I said, not, not an indictment on, on Brock Purdy's long-term uh, uh, prospects as a quarterback. We appreciate just, your multiple apologies and all that. Yeah, no, nice. you're, you're welcome. No, I messed up. It's fine. <laughs> Although, Hey, if he tears up the Vikings on Monday night football next week, I'll be, I'll be back in here. Very good chance. <laughs> all Very right. Good. Well, Hey, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. Doug, this has been a delight as always. Thank you, everybody, for watching Four Down Territory. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Thank you, Roy.